Okay, welcome to uh, Designers Institute Decast. In today's episode, we're going to discuss optimization. So you've set up, you've hired the dream team, sorted your legal entities, dealt with the finance, self-promotion is in hand, so what's next? Growth, whatever that means to you, is about optimizing your business. Today, we've got two guests well-versed in this topic. Firstly, Duncan Shand. Um, he's the managing director of Young Shand. Uh, for the last 12 years, he's worked to grow Young Shand to one of New Zealand's leading independent agencies. Duncan studied accounting and management at uh, university, moved into marketing when he realised that's where the fun was, uh, and then moved to agency side about 15 years ago. Duncan has also judged the value of design awards for the best awards uh, for the last five years, so he's more than qualified for the conversation we're having today. And welcome back, Katrina Knapp. Um, Katrina is a director of McQueen and Associates, chartered accountancy practice based in Parnell, and has been in practice for 25 years, initially working for larger CA firms prior to forming her own practice in 2011. She has been the treasurer of the Designers Institute for the last 12 plus years and has a number of clients from the design industry. Katrina is passionate about helping businesses become more profitable and, uh, and grow to their full potential. Uh, welcome, Duncan. Welcome, Katrina. Hi, thanks. Nice to be here. Yeah, it's great to be here. Excellent. So well, let's kick it off with an with a easy one. So, yeah, when I was looking at this, I thought, you know, what are the key elements for optimizing? And, and you know, I'm thinking that it would be people, place, and, and resources. Am I missing anything? Duncan. Yeah, well, I, I like to think of, I definitely agree with people. So, you know, w- without people, you know, we are we are service businesses, right? So people people is almost everything. Um, I like to think about, I guess, I guess when you talk about place, I, I probably think about focus. You know, what mm-hmm. is the focus of the business? So what, what sector or what segment or what niche or, or how are we going to position ourselves to be different um, than other people? You know, if we're just the same, same, that's kind of not going to work. Um, mm. Then the other two I think about is, you know, accountability. So making sure everyone's really clear on what they want to do and and then alignment. That'd kind of be my four. People, focus, accountability and alignment. Right. Okay. Katrina, what would, what would you think the elements from optimizing a business would be? I think for many businesses, it's about thinking what your customers need. Mm. You know, so that can change over time. So often optimizing is referred to as pivoting successfully as well in this day and age and it's about thinking okay the customer group that i am currently serving is that one that i need to continue with are there new opportunities out there are there new skill sets new products new services i can offer and in so doing does that mean that i in turn need a different uh, experience or a different level of technical expertise in-house so Mm. it kind of goes beyond what you're doing now and thinking about where the future lies and where the future opportunities lie. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, it is about having a roadmap, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. And sometimes that crystal ball, which is really hard, and, uh, you know, many of us surprise ourselves in what we can come up with if we just give an hour or two of um, clear ear time to blank sheet of paper and brainstorm about hey look what does the future look like where are the opportunities and i've always say if every business did that once a year i'm sure they would find that their revenue increased as a result yeah it's the working it's working on the business on, on in the business and i know it's an altruism but it, but it, it actually it you know it does pay to have a plan um i think there was a study done about um uh, harvard graduates maybe um and it was it was the people who had a plan written down um, we're earning something like you know 
three times what people who had a plan but hadn't written it down who were earning three times what people who didn't have a plan at all were earning. I mean, I'm making those numbers up, but that was kind of that sort of thing. Yeah, I think too, um, I often say to clients, you have to grow to stay the same. So, Mm. and a lot of them, that's a light bulb moment because they, you know, we can all sit back on our laurels and think, love who we're working with, great group of clients. But the fact of the matter is people's lives change, their businesses change. And if we want to keep our inflow either the same or in many respects grow it, we need to think about how we're going to attract new people to our businesses or, in fact, strengthen our business for the future as well. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think the, the opposite of that is completely true. If, if you don't do anything, if you keep offering the same service over and over again to the same people, you're probably only going to shrink, right, Katrina? That's kind of the point? Yeah, that's right. Mm. And, you know, it's... It's about actually, you know, where's the next golden nugget for us? You know, we need to keep life interesting for ourselves and business as well. So that's all about evolving, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, I mean, and that's an important thing is, is that, that often people think of, uh, of growth as being a singular thing. It's like, you know, you're growing your revenue or you're growing your business. But actually, it can mean a whole lot of things. It could be scale. It could be revenue. It could be profit. It could be recognition. It could be actually moving into new areas that interest you. And another one, which I, you know, I'm seeing more of, which is this idea about sustainability. You know, actually uh, optimizing your business so it is uh, having less impact on the planet or less impact, negative impact on people. Hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And I think it's, you know, how do we best position it for sale as well? You know, a lot of people don't think about selling their businesses, but actually that can be a, a real asset that can set you up for the future or your retirement or whatever that may be. So. Yeah, and part of that is, like you say, that whole sustainability piece too. It's like what delivers the value both now and in the longer term, you know, what's going to increase that value. It is it is actually being responsible and ethical and doing what our customers expect. Mm. So, Duncan, what does growth mean for you? Well, I think, you know, reflecting on what you were saying before, Gideon, I think it depends on where you are at a certain point of time. You know, it, it, the right thing for the business might be scale. It might be, you know, getting getting big enough and getting enough mass. Um, it might change at a certain point to, 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 to focus more on profit. It, you know, ultimately a business needs to make a profit to be sustainable um, and to be able to then go to the next level of growth. Um, or it might be on um, sustainability. So, so I, you know, I think it depends. It depends on where that business is at in its, in its life cycle. And probably in the early days of, of a business, it's going to be on scale and just making sure it can get enough business so that it's meaningful. Um, but then, you know, over, over, over time, that, that focus, I think, will shift to, you know, uh, different goals like profitability or, or sustainability, which kind of profitability is part of. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's funny. It's like when you're when you're setting up, you you know, you want to get to a scale so that you can actually, you know, be solving bigger problems. And then when you're at a larger size, you kind of go, actually, you know, I really enjoyed some of those fun little creative jobs that we did. So the grass is always greener, I imagine. You know. Mm. Yeah, I think too. When you're talking about scale, like it's already been alluded to, it diff- means different things to different people, doesn't it? You know, some of us aspire to have more than one location for our business. Other people are just really happy with a successful hub that they operate. They can see everyone. It's a, it's a family environment and so on. So it can mean different things, but it, it is more about, um, you know, strengthening as well. So it's, it's whether 
the scale is large or small. It's about actually having a solid foundation and something that's quite future-proof. So we know year on, year out, it's going to be successful, deliver us the level of earnings that we need. Yeah, I, I, I think that's that it's an important thing. It's also thinking defining what what your ideal scale is. You know, um, you know, we, we have a we have a plan that we want to get to a particular size, and anything over that just looks like a headache. Um, so, you know, what are some of the considerations that you would define your ideal scale or size at, Duncan? Well, you know, bigger, right? So, you know, I I, I think. You, you want to be growing as a business because that's going to stre- stretch you and test you, prob- you know, probably. Um, you don't want to be standing still. So, you know, I, I think you've got to look at it in terms of phases. You know, when you're, when you're three or four people, it's hard to imagine what business is going to be like when you're at 30 or 40 or 50 people. So you've got to have, have realistic goals of, of, of what each phase of your growth will deliver. Um, so, yeah, I think it depends on where you are. Yeah, it does. But I suppose there is that, that thing where, you, you know, if the more people you have working for you, the less you're going to do what you enjoy. You know, uh, often uh, designers become are functional experts and they, uh, you know, start their own business and then they, then, they learn, then they learn business, which is always a challenge. So if you want to do more business, then yeah, grow. But if you want to kind of get to a scale that you're happy with, that means that you can still be on the tools, you can still have have direct contact with all of your clients, then you kind of, it's, I think it's important to define what what that ideal looks like. And yeah, look, it should shift and it should be checked every year. Um, yeah, but, but yeah. I, I, think, I think there the assumption is that just because you started the business as a designer um, and you love designing, are you going to have the same role in the business the whole way through? I think, mm. you know, you, you may decide that you want to be working on big, meaningful design projects, so you need a business with a certain scale. Yeah. But if you love being on the tools, you can be a founder um, and let someone else be a general manager to look after some of that client-side stuff, and you just focus on on the work and the things that you're passionate about. I think that is a really key point, mm. having the right people in the right seats doing the things that they really love kind of thing. So I think that's kind of critically important. And, and, and as, you, as you say, I think sometimes there is a situation where you do have people that grow into a, grow into a role that they actually don't like having to worry about the accounts and running a business and management and all of that sort of stuff. So, you know, mm. I, I don't think we should make assumptions in terms of um, what role you have as the business evolves. Yeah, yeah, no, true. And that's the good thing. That's where scale can be good, isn't it? Because it can give you freedom. It can give you flexibility. But I think for a lot of people in business, the first thing they need to do is actually understand what their personal goals are and what they enjoy in their job. And then separately to that, actually think about their business goals and how the two are going to interrelate. Because like you say, it might mean that there is a hunter-gatherer out there rather than them being the hunter-gatherer, mm. or it could be the complete reverse. And so it's about making the business actually complement your goals and what you enjoy uh, so that together you're a successful unit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But we have, a, uh, we have a planning session every year here, and um, we, have, we have three sets of goals everybody has to kind of come up with them. So first is your personal goals, you know, what you want to achieve in the year. Then your goals within the business. 
and then your goals for the business, which helps kind of align everybody to think about what we want to achieve as a group and what we want to get out of it personally. But also, you know, is there is there a conflict with our personal goals? So I think it's always that goal setting is, is, is quite important. Um, yeah. It kind of leads quite nicely to, to the idea about getting advice from other people. Um, and, you know, other business owners, you know, within the industry and out, outside, uh, but what role does government governance and advisory play for you, Doug? Yeah, well, so we so when when we started Young Shand, um, you know, Ben and I were joint founders, and that worked really well for like the first kind of five to eight years. And you know, we kind of bounced things off each other, and that worked. That partnership worked really well. Um, ben went to New York, and he started a business over there. And and I subsequently, subsequently, he's focusing on New York now. I'm focusing on New Zealand. So we've yeah. kind of got now two separate businesses, and we don't have a partnership anymore. And it is quite lonely when you're running your own shop. Um, so I think governance is actually really important. I recently brought in a a, a really senior. Um, sort of um, uh, advisory director, finance, CFO kind of a role part-time into the business. And that's kind of, that's that's good to have someone there with an outside view, um, you know, has some wisdom, has been there before, has has industry knowledge, um, you know, doesn't take bullshit, doesn't doesn't kowtow to me um, and will tell, tell me and I'm, I'm an idiot when I'm being an idiot. So, you know, I think, I think having, having that separation there um, and that kind of level above you, I think, is invaluable. I want to expand that and add, a, add, add maybe two to three kind of uh, um, people in, in that kind of governance layer over the next kind of 12 to 18 months. Yeah, you're, you're unique, though, because you come from, you know, uh, well, you know, potentially unique in, in the sense that you come from, a, you, you did a management degree. Um, yeah. So you come, you come, you understand how the, how businesses work. So I think most designers don't have that, they, they kind of learn by trial and error. So I think bringing on those voices and, and, and picking your advisors is also, you know, the people who you do get advice from and the people you don't is, is, yeah. is almost as important, right? Absolutely. So I go even more important. You know, I was I was lucky enough to make the mistake of um, uh, doing accounting at university just because I was good at numbers. Yeah. Yeah. I was actually I was actually I was actually really good at um, uh, art and form form four too, um, but for whatever reason I didn't didn't continue it. So I'm I'm, I'm always a wannabe designer, which I think is why Kathy lets me hang around. Um, <laughs> So, so you know, it was a, it was a mistake at the time, but in hindsight, it wasn't a mistake at all mm. because it, it it made me be a better marketer and a better um, sort of agency owner. I'll never regret it. Um, but most people don't have that uh, that luck um, of actually having that having that background. Mm. So I think you know um, you know for someone that's that's kind of running a design agency, having a really strong accountant as a partner or uh, um, an advisory director that's kind of got a finance background or you know i think that's probably very uh, invaluable because you know i think to get that level of experience in your business as an employee is going to cost you cost you way too much money mm. um i think better to have someone part-time in a in a in a, in a, a director or an advisory director or a, a really good relationship with your accountant that you can um, use i think that's I think, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this goes back to a conversation we were having in a previous episode, eh, Katrina? Um, that, that idea of, of forming a strong relationship and choosing, you know, your accountant carefully because if you if you get on and you see eye to eye, then you're going to get a, you're going to have a much better relationship and you're going to get the advice you need. 
Yeah, that's right. I think one of the key things for me with governance is it just brings some rigor into a business. Mm. And I guess in some respects, that's what worries some business owners is that they don't want to feel that they've got to justify themselves. And that's where having someone that you're comfortable with can take away part of that barrier. But just having a forum where you can chew the fat, share ideas, bounce ideas off somebody else. Hey, look, what if we did that? But then for the for the golden nuggets of ideas, actually putting some rigor around it and taking it one step further and saying, okay, if we're going to make this into something, what do we do? How are we going to actually execute that in a successful way? Mm. And you know, what I often encourage people to do is think about what their strengths are, but equally what their weaknesses are, because those that you're putting around you at that governance slash advisory level should be the people that compensate your weaknesses. So their strengths are your weaknesses and vice versa. So then as a collective, you've got a whole lot of really good minds that can do great things. Yeah, I'm busy nodding here along to you, Katrina. So yeah, totally agree. <laughs> Yeah, I um I, I was I, I mate Duck and I I was um I was good at art at school but uh, went into design so um, I didn't learn any uh, management skills or um, accountancy so I went to the Ice House Owner Manager Program which is oh, a yeah. residential course which was great it was you know it was like a crash course in MBA <coughs> not quite but um it, it, you know it was great for understanding the different facets of business that I hadn't seen before. And I think, mm. I can't remember, there was there was a, a model that they looked at about, about how to define the different personalities you have in the, in the business and making sure that you're, you know, you're not in an echo chamber, that you have a well-rounded look, you know, you've got a producer and a creative and an architect and a seller and all of those sort of things. Um, and, yes. and look, you go. Yeah, that's that whole diversity thing, right? So um, I remember in the very early days of Young Shand, I, I'd, I'd meet you know young kids that were coming on board wanting a job and before you knew it I had a team of young male um, white kind of kids working for me right I, they kind of yeah. you know, I was hiring and hiring people I liked whereas over the last five years we've made much more of an effort to kind of um, hire different people and with different ways of thinking from different backgrounds and that oh. diversity really makes a difference I was going to say you were hiring people you didn't like um. <laughs> I still like everyone yeah yeah <laughs> I think that's really important. I mean, and um, you know, when you when you grow, as you grow, you know, um, the, this impacts on the you know your culture and also your output. So you know, uh, making sure that you have a clear idea about that growth and how you're going to grow is important. How do you mitigate some of those um, uh, quality issues and culture issues as you grow? I think you've got to really focus on, um, you know, things like values. I mean, when I talked about alignment before, you know, if you can have a real alignment around, you know, focus, what is the business focused on? What's your key point of difference? Um, you know, who do you serve? Your vision, where do you want to go? Get people excited by that. And, and your values, how do you want to work? What are the things that drive you as a business? I think if you really um, are clear on those values, everyone's aligned about uh, aligned with them. You embed them in terms of what you do. I think that's really important. And then, and then making sure that your your management team or your exec team, your your leaders in the business are really strong. Mm. I think um, nothing nothing makes someone quit faster than a bad manager. Mm. So. If you've got a if you've got a good team and a good team of leaders, um, I think that goes a long way to kind of keeping the culture of of the business strong. 
and I suppose that's the same goes for the quality as well. I mean, obviously, you know, more work you do, the the, uh, the more churn and burn you have to do, I suppose, in some ways. Yeah, you know, craft every piece. I think um, it's you know it, it's dangerous sometimes. I think we all under pressure um, have made the mistake of hiring someone too fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and then regretting that decision later. So you know, I always try to live by the mantra of hire slow and fire fast. Mm-hmm. So um, not that you can fire fast in this country, but no. um, at least get on at least get on to a performance management process quickly because you know it's going to take a while. Well, you can yeah. in 90 days. Um, yeah, yeah, I have a similar philosophy in the sense that I prefer to build capacity and then sell it rather than sell capacity and build it because mm-hmm. you know you're going to make you're going to make mistakes if you if you suddenly have to fill some slots uh, because it's whoever's available. So it's always a hard one at times. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, obviously that's about building um, revenue and building growth. So, so um, you know, what are some strategies for, for doing that, for client growth and for, for growing? So both from a farming and a hunting perspective. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, probably you sh- everyone should be aiming for at least – 10% of your growth every year coming from your existing clients, at least 10% or around mm. that number. So, you know, I think the first place you should be looking to grow is your existing clients. I mean, it's far easier to sell something to a client you've already got than to convince someone that hasn't worked for you, worked with you before to come on board as a new client. So, you know, I think it's, it's start with your existing clients. And, you know, to do that, you've just got to really understand their business and you've got to spend time with them. And you've got to make sure that they understand all of your capabilities. I mean, we have, you know, we do strategy, creative development and media. And often we have clients that don't understand that, oh, you can actually do development or, or, oh, you actually do media. So sometimes, you know, your existing clients don't understand the the skills that you have in-house. And they often are giving that that work to other people just purely because they don't know. Mm. So start with your existing clients. Um, understand their projects, understand their um, the vision for their business, understand um, if you're working with a certain person there, a marketing manager or whatever, understand what, what are their um, KPIs, what do they get bonused on, what do they need to achieve over the next year so you can help them do that. So stay close to your existing clients first. Yeah. I agree. I think that's a really good point because often, you know, if you cast your mind to, well, if I was in that business, this is what, I would need, this is what I would want, this is what I would do, then crafting the opportunity to actually say that to them, saying, well, you know, have you thought about this? Have you thought about, you know, and having that conversation around what they could consider so that you can then move on to say, hey, look, well, we could help you with that. Absolutely. And I think um, on on the back of that is often being quite open with people and saying, well, hey, look, if you've got anyone that you know that is interested in this, then we're more than happy to look after them, you know, you having been a client of ours for some time or those sorts of things. Because that that referral piece or Mm. having your clients advocate for you is really powerful and it's your most cheapest form of marketing, but one of the most effective forms of marketing as well. Absolutely. I think the other thing to think of is, um, I think often, you know, a bit of a plug for, I guess, the value of design award, often as as marketers or advertisers or designers, we don't think enough about what the commercial impact of the work we do is. So, you know, we might think that we're just creating, I don't know, a new brochure or a new logo or, a, you know, whatever whatever it is, and we don't actually think about how we are repositioning that business. We are helping, it, helping them attract a whole new market. 
we are you know increasing the desirability of a certain product you know if we do our job successfully we can make a huge impact on on our clients business so whenever we're trying to sell anything in or once we understand what they want to do and we're trying to sell in our work that's going to help them put it in commercial terms for them so they really start to see actually what we can do and then what that that does is it should help us um, sneak that budget um, through faster or if we're really clever we can upsize that budget a little bit because we know if if, our, if the project goes well this could be a, a half a million dollar up benefit to the client so instead of charging five thousand dollars charging twenty five thousand dollars makes two tenths of nothing difference to them if they're convinced this is going to drive that kind of return so mm. think commercial returns when we're selling in the work to our client um yeah, it's definitely having a market orientation. So rather than saying what you're going to do, it's what what it, what it is for them. That's the way marketers think. Is. So yeah, I mean, quite often you think about design as being a thing unto itself, but actually it is a it is a conduit for for change in some way. It's it's changing behaviour or or driving growth. Absolutely. Don't and think it can mean speaking to people in a way that they understand. Yeah. You know, I mean, with our each with our different specialties, we're all guilty of. A certain amount of jargon speak or you know speaking in our own language and the success is going to be when we can actually translate and speak to the client and in a way that they understand and then solve that problem that um or explain to them how we can solve the problem that um, they now understand they have yeah but also get in i think you know to do that you've got to make an investment in time to be spending a certain amount of time with your clients to make sure that um, you understand their business, you, you're building those relationships. So yeah, I think yeah. you know, new business is an investment. So um, start with your existing clients and, and make a schedule. Make make sure you are regularly catching up um, with your clients. Make sure that you are you are sending them some some stuff. You know, reminder mm. marketing. <clears throat> an email or a LinkedIn post or whatever it is so that you, you're continually reminding your clients about the work that you're doing. Yeah. Um, and you probably should be thinking about new, you know, new, new business as well, because, you know, whilst, you know, it's important to start with existing clients, you know, I think you've always got to be um, bring, thinking about um, strate- the, the, the next right strategic um, client to bring into your business as well. Mm. Yeah, <clears throat> exactly. I, I had a um, a client tell me the other the other well, actually this week um, that she's got a brilliant idea for us. We should we should start doing it. I kind of go, you know, we've got a team that does that, don't you? And she was quite embarrassed. So you, you know, you, you quite often we we we're we're not pretty good at at uh, um, uh, doing our own work. You know, making sure that we're clearly articulating what it is we offer, how we're differentiated from other businesses, and 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 how it's of value um, to them as a customer. Um, yeah, so it's a physician heal thyself kind of moment, isn't it? Absolutely. So I, I think that the, the, the outtakes I've, I've taken from today is is that um, growth is is relative to, to the position you're in, and it's also done to a plan. I mean, you know, we talk about organic growth, but that that often, you know, following your nose, uh, you you never know where you're going to end up. Um, so it's good to have a plan. So I'd like to say a big thanks to our guests today, uh, Katrina Knapp and Duncan Shand. I think some great insights into optimising business. Um, we really appreciate your time and you've been listening to the Designers Institute Decast. See you again next time.